League Baseball coming up with a salary cap or a cap type system that it's always, always, always been about the owners being united. It's got nothing to do with the union or the agents or anything else. Well, 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 good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is a semi-joyful edition of Daily Shot of Pirates, which comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins, where you found this. Yesterday, in Chicago, Hal Steinbrenner, son of George, owner of the Yankees, told reporters that he himself voted for Major League Baseball's recent proposal to lower the luxury tax threshold from $210 million to $180 million in addition to implementing an unprecedented $100 million payroll floor. Now, if that sounds like a cap system, it also probably is one. And it is. It's it's as close as one could reasonably expect baseball to get. You know, first step. You don't go all draconian. You don't shut down for two years or whatever. Now, Tony Clark and the union, whenever they were first issued this proposal a few weeks ago, shot it down on site. Just non-starter. Nothing at all that ever sounds like a cap will ever come into being, according to Tony Clark. And according to all of the agents who pull Tony's strings, notably Scott Boris. But... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If the owners are united, they set the work rules. That's how American workplaces operate. The owner of the business sets the work rules. You can negotiate. You can go back and forth as it relates to labor, even unionized labor. But ultimately, the boss is always right, even when he or she is seen as being wrong. That's just how it goes. So to the most common comeback that I get whenever I bring this thing up, which is only all the time, well, the big markets would never go for it. Why would they go for it? They'll lose their competitive advantage. And I always say they would rather have the money. Always say this. You can look at them as, you know, heroic sports fans who really just want the team to win and, and all this other goodness. The fact of the matter is most of these people are extraordinarily wealthy. You know how they got to be extraordinarily wealthy? By not wasting their money. By keeping as much of it as they possibly can. Talk about another fact of life. So when you hear 
that on this committee, and this was the news out of this, the Yankees and the Red Sox were on it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. As well as, as, well as several mid-markets and a couple of small markets, none of whom were identified by Mr. Steinbrenner. Here's his exact quote. There's seven of us on labor policy. Boston, me, several mid-markets, couple small markets. We're a very diverse group, and when we came up with the proposal, including the competitive balance tax and luxury tax that we brought to the union, it was a unanimous, on our committee, a unanimous deal. And every owner on the committee, there were certain things in the proposal that we didn't like. I mean every owner. But we wanted to put together a proposal that addressed their concerns and come together as a group. Come together as a group. And what are they talking about? They're talking about a salary cap system. They're undoubtedly talking about how they are the only sport left in North America that doesn't have a salary cap system. And they are also undoubtedly looking across at other owners in other sports saying, what the hell are we doing? This is nuts. And what are we allowing, for that matter, the Dodgers to do? This is why I've been pointing to the Dodgers forever, because they signed the TV contract that blew everybody's out of the water, including those of the Yankees and the Red Sox. And the Yankees and the Red Sox, strangely enough, have been occasionally outbid, or way more painfully, if you're the Red Sox, owned by John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group that just bought the Penguins, by the way, or is working on buying the Penguins, I should say. And you basically were forced to give away Mookie Betts to the Dodgers because of whether it's real or perceived that he couldn't be afforded in Boston. And I know that's a real point of contention there because Henry's a billionaire and all that other stuff, but whatever the reason, it was money that caused it. And that's not a place that those teams are used to being. So if their motivations, the Yankees and the Red Sox, are, well, let's keep, you know, let's keep uh, the Dodgers in check and anybody else who might get some kind of crazy TV deal, and they get on the same page and they're talking about a salary cap system you have yourself one hell of a first step towards something that'll look like a cap. 180 million at the top, 100 at the bottom, expanded revenue sharing to make sure that everybody can get into that range, including the pirates. And you've got yourself a system that sets itself up as being a whole lot more fair than this than this just wild, wild west thing that's going on right now in both directions. Grossly exceeding it and being grossly under it the way the pirates are. You'd eliminate both extremes. You'd put everybody inside an $80 million range. And look, it doesn't take much beyond a glance around the entire sport to know that an $80 million range is very, very, very doable 
for making things fair and competitive. Yeah, you'd still have to play a little bit of a different game than other teams, but not like this. Not like this. Not where you're doing the the total tank uh, or you're just, you know, again, at the other extreme. Oh, we've lost a couple players. Well, let's get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in. Okay, cool. All right, that's done. You can't have it in either in either direction. And yeah, wow. So that's cool. When we come back, just one question. Shore Tavern and the Companion Venture right next door, Mike's Beer Bar, are featuring all kinds of fun, beginning with live music Friday night at 9 o'clock. Come swing to the sweet sounds of Taking Shapes Saturday night. It's See the Summer. Live music going on. There's also football on TV, the Pitt Virginia game, Steelers versus Chargers on Sunday night. Beer! There's beer. It's Mike's Beer Bar after all. There's an unbelievable selection of craft beers, including local brews. Check out North Shore Tavern and Mike's Beer Bar right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Our J1Q comes from Guido, who says Cole Tucker was a marginal player on a 101-loss team. Why would anyone think he belongs on a major league roster? It's ludicrous. For anybody who missed yesterday's show, I was throwing up a bunch of names of players who arguably should be cut or, in a couple of cases, kept as the Pirates proceed into today's deadline to have the roster set in advance of the Rule 5 draft. And Tucker was on my eh, maybe keep list, although I don't know how I would spell that. But that's where he was. I, I'm going to admit to being somewhat partial because of his personality. When I say that, it's not, oh, he's just a nice guy. He's the kind of guy you'd want to have around if and when the team gets good. The problem with that is you've also got to be part of why the team is good. You've got to produce. And Tucker didn't do that until the last five and a half weeks of the season. Now, could that be something that coincided with the firing of Rick Eckstein? Maybe. Could that be something that the Pirates know internally and wouldn't be sharing with anyone because you don't want to embarrass Eckstein? Could be. Could it be that whatever was worked on with Tucker in that strange first month of the regular season where he and outfield prospect Jared Oliva stayed in Bradenton to get specialized instruction, 
could it be that that wasn't good? You know, like that that wasn't the right thing? Uh, that one seems less likely to me because there's no way Derek Shelton wouldn't have been uh, involved, if not influential, in that process. I'm not a hitting coach. I, I'm not going to pretend to be one, but I have spoken with baseball people who have said that the biggest issue that Tucker has is that he doesn't get his lower body involved in his swing. If you pay attention He'll follow through, and his legs will just kind of follow along with him, I guess, for a lack of better way to put it. He doesn't drive from the legs. And good hitters do that. In fact, ordinary hitters do that. So it's a, it's a flaw on his end. Was he murdering the ball late in the season? No, but was he hitting it harder than, uh, you know, Let's say, oh boy, this isn't where you want to set the bar, but Kevin Newman, yeah, and he was getting on base, and he did put a couple of balls over fences and off fences. Uh, it was encouraging, and it was the last thing we saw, and that does count when you're talking about a younger player. No, he's not super young. He's not a kid anymore, but he's younger, and as such there could be a thought process that maybe something happened. You know, maybe something something clicked there. And they wouldn't want to give up on it. The one thing that I think would be safe to say is that this management team wouldn't be hanging on to Tucker because he was a first-round pick because he wasn't their first-round pick. They don't have to worry about saving face. If they keep Tucker, it'll be because they really believe that something got unlocked there. In which case... I wouldn't blame them at all. I appreciate the question, Guido. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates all week. Mm-hmm.